Okay, uh, so our text this morning is in 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, we're going to read through this story, and then I've got some comments to make on it. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. When the word of the Lord came to Elijah, or then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because, or, yeah, because there had been no rain in the land. No rain in the land. The brook dried up. We're going to look at this story from the perspective of what do you do when your world dries up? When the blessings, when the favor, when the good things that flow into your life seem to just come to an end. What do you do? How do you deal with that? So I want to share a few thoughts along that. Now first I want us to see the reason there was a drought, the reason there wasn't a rain coming, the reason nothing was happening was because King Ahab rebelled against God. It wasn't because Elijah rebelled against God, it was because King Ahab rebelled against God. So God shut off the blessings. If you want God's favor in your life, you have to show him some favor. And Ahab refused to do that, so there was a drought in the land. For the next few years, he didn't say for three years. He says for the next few years. We find out later it was three years. The point is, nobody knew how long this was going to last. This is an indefinite thing. This judgment's going to fall, and it's going to go on and on and on, and nobody, including Elijah, knows how long it's going to be. Now, Elijah probably walked out of his meeting with Ahab feeling pretty good. Ha! God had given him a word. And he took it to the king, and he told the king what was going to happen, and he walked out of there probably feeling pretty good about himself because God had just used him to deliver a message of judgment. But it probably didn't take him very long walking down the road out of the palace before it dawned on him, oh, if it doesn't rain, what am I going to do? If the drought comes to Ahab, it's going to come to me. But he didn't think about that at the time, you know. That would take the joy away if you thought about that. So is it possible that God could be a little bit upset, upset with some things in the world, and so he decides to withhold his blessings? And we can say, yeah, well, the, the, this world deserves judgment. Yeah, but you live in the world. 
It's going to affect me. It's going to affect you if God brings that judgment. It only took a couple minutes to deliver the message. But it's going to take him the next several years for him to live it out himself. So what do you do when the blessings shut off? What do you do when your world dries up? How do we make this relevant for ourselves? So I've got six lessons here we can learn. Here's number one. We need more instruction on waiting than we do on miracles. Everybody wants to go to a seminar on miracles. Everybody wants to see the opportunity to have God pour miracles into our life. Everyone wants the miracles. But when's the last time you wanted to go to a meeting that was talking about patience? Nobody wants to go to those meetings. Nobody wants to learn about that. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You see, there's a couple things in that, that that's important about patience. He says, let us not grow weary in doing good. So we can get weary of doing the right thing, doing the good thing. Yeah, we can get weary doing the good thing because sometimes we keep giving, 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 and it seems like never anything comes back. It's like there's no harvest for all the work I've put into it. I keep sacrificing, I keep sowing, but I never get anything back. After a while, you get a little bit weary, and you just want to stop doing it. He's telling us not to do that. For in due season, you know what due means? It's not in your timing. It's in God's timing. It's in due season it's going to come back to you. Not in what you think is the right season, but when God thinks it's the right season. If we do not give up. There's a condition to this promise. There's a condition to most of the promises of God. We have to do something to see the result of God's favor in our life. Romans chapter 8 verse 25 says, But if we must keep trusting God for something that hasn't happened yet, it teaches us to wait patiently and confidently. It teaches us to wait patiently and confidently as long as I don't give up now what lesson does that teach me if I give up and I don't see the result I don't see the due season ever come around you see seasons come and go we're in, we're in a time of seasonal change right now you know the leaves are turning the farmers are out in the field cleaning them out they, the animals don't have as many places to hide as they did before, so now you can look out in the field and you can see them. It's a seasonal change. And we've been through the seasonal changes enough that we know what's coming next, don't we? We know winter's coming. All these leaves are eventually, every one of them are going to be off the trees, on the ground. It's going to get colder, and instead of rain, we're going to get snow. But we've been around enough and through enough winters, we know what's going to happen next, don't we? Spring. The snow melts. Yes. The trees begin to bud out again. Yes. The farmers get their equipment ready to hit the fields and plant. 
We understand there are seasons. Maybe you're in a dry season right now. If you are, then God's answered my prayer because I I expect I'm talking to somebody going through a dry season. But each of us don't go through a dry season at the same time. So those of you that are going through a dry season, listen, we need more instruction on waiting than on miracles. Here's the second thing we need to learn. When you're dry, listen to his word. Listen to God's word. Listen to what God's saying when you're dry. Some people, when they're dry, is the time they set the Bible on the shelf. They want to get the Bible when everything's going great. But we need to get the Bible out and see what God is saying when everything isn't going great. When things are dried up. God said, Turn aside, hide in the Kareth ravine. Ravine. What do you think of when you think of a ravine? It's a low place, right? It's an area that's cut out. It's like a gorge. It's like a canyon. It's a, a ravine is a, is a low place. In other words, he's saying, Elijah, I know you liked it when you stood before the king and gave him a prophetic message. But now what you have to do is you got to go to a low place. You got to humble yourself. You got to go to a place where there isn't a lot of hubbub, not a lot of attention. Nobody's, nobody's giving you praises. You got to get to a humble place. I want you to turn aside, humble yourself, get out of the spotlight. Go into isolation for a while, Elijah. Don't you hate isolation? We all know what isolation is. We don't like that one bit. But he says, for you right now, Elijah, it's good for you to go into isolation. Go where there's nobody around. Nobody's going to speak to you. Nobody's going to question you. Nobody's going to challenge you. I'm going to take you to a safe place, Elijah. This is where you need to be right now. Here's the third thing we learn. God is never surprised by your drought. Never surprised. Turn eastward and hide. It's time to hide. Sometimes we need to just hide. God had prepared a hiding place. Don't you love that? When I was a kid, I had a hiding place. It was in a closet under a stairway where all the old shoes and all the old boots were. Mom and Dad kept all my old shoes and boots and clothes because they knew I had a younger brother coming along. And he would get to use all my stuff once I was done with it. So they kept it all. So I would go in this closet. That was my hiding place. I felt secure there. They didn't lock me in as a punishment. I went there. Because I wanted to. I wanted the hiding place. You and I need a hiding place where we can get away from the pressure and all the noises and all the influences. We just need a hiding place. Corey Corey Ten Boom wrote a book years ago back in the 70s about her experience in World War II. She was a Jew and she was in a concentration camp. 
And she talked about her experience of having lost a sister in the concentration camp and the abuses and the, the lice and, and everything that she had to go through. But she talks about in that prison camp with so many fears and so many pressures, she knew how to find a hiding place. Wrote a book called The Hiding Place. You can get it at the library. It was a place where she could hide. And she just shut out everything else and was able to focus on God. So God's never surprised by your drought. He knows what's going on. Max Licato says this. I'm going to quote from him. Most people suffer from small thoughts about God. In an effort to see him as our friend, we have lost his immensity. In our desire to understand him, we have sought to contain him. The God of the Bible cannot be contained. He brought order out of chaos and created creation. He consulted no committee. He sought no counsel. He said, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, Isaiah 46, 9. The greatest kings have surrendered their crowns. The queen of the UK is called her majesty, yet she must eat and bathe and rest. The true majesty is never hungry. He never sleeps. He has never needed assistance or attention. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command, Hebrews 1.3. He has authority over the world, over your world, and he has never, ever uttered the phrase, now how did that happen? I love it. God knows what's happening in your world. Yes. It's no surprise. If you've committed your life to him, it's okay. He's your hiding place. Come on. Just draw close to him. Here's number four, the fourth thing, fourth lesson we learn. <clears throat> remember what the rain was like. Can you remember in your life when God's favor was flowing, when the showers of blessing were just pouring down on you, when great things were happening and doors were opening up, prayers were getting answered. I remember that. I don't want to forget that. There's times when I get up to preach and I'm a little intimidated to have to speak to people like you. I'm a little intimidated to think that I might have something to say that you don't know. And I get a little bit fearful. Why does God want to use me? What do I have to offer anybody? But I have to remember what it was like when I heard God speak to me through someone else. And I say to myself, Oh God, let me experience that rain again. Let the Holy Spirit that dealt with me deal with people. God, just give me your favor to speak wisdom, to let the wisdom of God just flow out, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. So remember what the rain was like. There is such a thing as rain. There may have been a dry spell in your life for so long, you can't remember what the rain was like. But there is rain. It does satisfy It does quench thirst. We need that rain. There shall be showers of blessing. 
It's going to happen again. So we need to put our, faith, our focus on our faith. Focus on our faith. What do we believe in? Isaiah 35 verses 1 and 2, in talking about our redemption, says, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and bloom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord the majesty of our God. It's going to rain again in your life. Think, what was the rain like? Remember, don't ever forget because that's what we're reaching for. That's what we put our faith in. Here's number five. God knows where the water is. You can't find it. You're drying up, but God knows where the water is. I'm reminded of the story of Hagar in Genesis chapter 21, verse 9. She was running away from Abraham with her son Ishmael, and they're running away, and she's out in the desert, and her son is crying, and there's no water anyplace, and she is afraid. So she leaves her son over here because she can't bear to see him die, and so she gets alone by herself, and then God intervenes, and God says in verse 9, Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. She's in the desert. She's about to die. She's given up hope. And God opened her eyes, and there's a well of water. Did you hear that? The well was there the whole time. The whole time where she's grieving and she's weeping and doesn't have any hope. The well was there the whole time. God just needed to open her eyes. And my prayer is God will open our eyes. There is a well, there is a spring that's flowing up to satisfy our deepest cravings on the inside. God wants to make us completely whole. He wants to satisfy our thirst. But we can't see it. It's right there in front of us, but we can't see it. God, open my eyes. Open our eyes. Help us to see that. So God sends ravens. Ravens of all things. God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the ravens bring you food while you're there by the brook. Ravens. I did a little bit of research on ravens because I, didn't, I, I figured there's got to be more to this than just what meets the eye. Uh, the particular kind of raven that grows in the Middle East that probably was what was talking about is today called a brown-necked raven. Actually, the, the word for raven is corvus. Corvus. There's, it's a family of birds. Corvus. And I found this interesting because I didn't know this. But on the ark... When God wanted to find out if there was any land exposed, he sent out a couple doves. Remember that? Actual, actually, the word is corvus. That's why modern English translations are putting the word raven in there. Ravens are scavengers. If you come across a raven in the park and you set your cell phone down beside you, there's a possibility that raven will pick up your cell phone and fly off with the thing. So keep it in your pocket next time you go to the park. They're scavengers. They will pick things up and they will carry it. 
So Noah sent out the raven because he knew if there was anything out there, the raven would pick it up and bring it back. And that would be his evidence. <clears throat> if he couldn't see it, the raven could. So Elijah goes to this Kerith ravine, camps by the brook, and raven keeps bringing food in, bringing something to eat. A raven, not a trained raven, just, just one under the control of God Almighty. Now, you might not want to eat what a raven brings you, but it kept Elijah alive. There's water in the hiding place. That's good to remember. Find your hiding place, and God will satisfy your thirst right there. <clears throat> because the hiding place is a place that's safe from attack. Here's number six, the sixth lesson when your world dries up. You might need to move. We don't know how long he was in this ravine drinking from the brook and eating the food the raven brought him. But we do know eventually, because there was no rain, even that brook that God had provided dries up. And God steps in and tells him, Let's go to plan B. As a matter of fact, plan B just might be God's plan A all along. He just didn't know it. God knew what he was doing. If God sent him to the brook and says, this is where you're going to drink, don't you think God might have had a backup plan on what are we going to do when this brook dries up? I think he does. And if you want to come back for part two of this message, this is what we're going to look at next week. What does he do now? What's the plan B? What's the next step? But I want to relate it to us because you might be in a dry place. Your finances may be drying up. Your relationship in your marriage might be drying up. Your relationships in your family, in your church world, in the business world might be drying up. Maybe you're in a drought. Maybe your tongue's sticking to the roof of your mouth spiritually. You just can't keep moving. Maybe God wants you to move on. Maybe you just lost something that meant so much to you, was so much a part of your dream, so much a part of your hope, and now it's gone. Maybe God's saying, it's time to get up and move. I have something else for you, but it's not right here. What I have for you, you're going to have to get up and move over there. I'm saying this, this is, what I'm saying is generic for everybody here. I'm not speaking specific. I don't have a prophetic word for someone. I'm just saying I think most probably God wants some of us to move, to get out of our comfortable position to get out of where what our security is and step into something we're not sure yet. Grab a hold of Jesus and grab a hold of Jesus' people. That's where you're going to find that answer. Sometimes when you're hiding in isolation, hiding out in your safe place, we got to leave there. We got to go where it's not so safe. We have to step out of our comfort zone. Get out of our isolation. Get out of our ravine. Get out of our low place. And get to a place where we can make a difference in the world around us. 
Let's stand together. This is, this is how we handle a drought. This is what we do in a drought. So if you're in a drought, maybe now's the time for you to make a connection with God. I'm going to go back over there and sit down. Worship team's going to lead us in another song. And this might be a time where you need to take an action step toward God to leave where you are. Maybe if God's speaking to you, you need to come down to this altar and just let God have it. Just surrender it to God. Let this, let this be your hiding place this morning. Let this be your time where you connect with God. And I'm going to be praying for you.